Hello, and welcome to the Ontic Protective Intelligence Podcast. I'm Fred Burton with the Ontic Center for Connected Intelligence. During my years as a counterterrorism agent with the U.S. State Department and time spent as a physical security expert in the private sector, I've seen it all and met many fascinating people along the way. This podcast series explores the riveting world of safety, security, and protection through conversations with leaders in the field. I'm Fred Burton, and now on to the podcast. Hi, I'm Fred Burton here today with Dave Holder. Dave is currently a senior analyst with Ford Motor Company and is based in Annapolis, Maryland. He is a decorated former counterintelligence officer with expertise in national security investigations and operations, as well as corporate workforce investigations. His national level awards include the National Counterintelligence Executives Investigative Team Award in 2014 and the Department of Defense Counterintelligence Team Award in 2009. He and his wife, Leah, have been working in the fields of counterespionage, counterfraud, and insider risk management for nearly 20 years and offer services through their consultancy, Veritas Security and Investigative Services, LLC. Dave, welcome to Ontic's Protective Intelligence Podcast. Thanks, Fred. It's wonderful to be here. Well, you work for a great company that's been around a long time. Dave, how did you get into the field of security? Well, Fred, I came through the Army. I joined in the infantry, hoping to get towards special forces. And um, with a couple of uh, bangs and bruises, ended up in intelligence pretty early on. <laughs> uh, and so uh, the Army counterintelligence program ended up being my home. And uh, in 2019, I transitioned into corporate security in the defense sector and worked as an investigator for counterintelligence and insider risk-related cases. Uh, I did that for a couple of years and then moved over to Ford uh, as they were standing up their first insider risk management program. Interesting. So if you look back, how did your time in the military influence you or your leadership style? Well, there are a lot of things in the military that carry directly over. I guess there are a couple of things that immediately come to mind, though. Um, one thing I learned early on in the military was I was never the smartest person in the room. Uh, and I didn't know what I didn't know. Sometimes I started to feel that way. But the person sitting quietly in the back would enter into a conversation at a much higher level than I would anticipate. So I was kind of put in my place uh, passively many times throughout my military career. And that served me well. Um, and made me want to be more of a collaborator and a listener. Um, You know, another lesson I learned was always be prepared for an opportunity to improve some kind of capability, even especially when resources seem impossible to obtain. I definitely felt that way throughout my career. We never had enough resources. We still had to accomplish the mission. And so we had to innovate, work together, and, and find workarounds to all of these daily obstacles of all sorts. Um, That has a direct analog into corporate security and corporate processes. Um, I'm probably a little bit more dogged than some of my peers, um, just culturally coming out of the military, where lives are on the line. Sometimes I forget that lives are not necessarily on the line and no bullets are flying, and I could get a little excited. (laughs) Um, 
I'm sure, uh, sure most of us coming out of these types of environments struggle with that balance a little bit. Um, and with leadership, you know, generally speaking, I learned you can't lead from behind. Um, you have to be good at what you do as a practitioner. You have to be good with your people. You've got to empower everyone and let them lead. Um, and you've got to you've got to empower them to innovate. So those are some things I guess that are always top of mind for me. Um, I have these little checks uh, with my peers if I start to get a little too spun up and excited about something, and, and those are uh, <laughs> those are always fun conversations. Now, Dave, uh, I've been around this business long enough to just watch the growth of dedicated insider threat programs. And as you look at what you've built at Ford, what do you think are the most important skills needed in order to stand up an insider threat unit? Well, um, I'll tell you, there's not really a, a, there's not a standard answer for this question. Um, we are not yet a very standardized field uh, or corporate function. <clears throat> so I see ideas and approaches coming really from a lot of different angles. For larger companies like Ford, I'm advocating that you need a set of core competencies present that include, I think, things like digital forensic investigative techniques and skill sets. Pen testing is critical. Uh, no matter how secure you think you is, if you get a talented penetration tester on your team, they're going to find workarounds. And, and that's really important for maturing the program along with the threat the enemy threat picture out there. Investigative skill sets are critical. You know, investigations uh, are taught in, in college programs, and, and there is a wide body of knowledge for those fundamentals. And I think there's really very little substitute for having an education and some background and experience in workplace investigations or some other kind of law enforcement. And I think uh, counterintelligence is probably the one thing that industry is starting to wake up to, you know, insiders are your workforce. They are the people who produce value for the company and to empower them and keep them safe while they work. We have to understand the external non-cyber threat actors that are always trying to get after our people in some way. And the more mature your cyber defenses are as a company, the more likely those sophisticated non-cyber threat actors are to just simply find workarounds. And very often that's either in your business processes or it's your people. Uh, so that counterintelligence uh, approach helps you really focus on how red is trying to get information about blue. How are they trying to compromise blue and your business processes? Yeah, that's very interesting. Uh, so the old fashioned human dynamic comes into play that we were all taught in basic agent school. Well, it, it is all about the human when you're trying to stand up an insider threat or insider risk management program. You know, humans, again, are, I, I like what Dr. Deanna Caputo from MITRE says, humans aren't the weakest link. They are the missing link. And we have to understand our humans and what their stressors are and what their productivity requirements are and look for ways to make them feel safer and empowered. And then also help them feel empowered to report suspicious behaviors. Uh, when there is misconduct in the workplace, it's coming from all sorts of, of places. Environmental factors, organizational decisions, 
sometimes it's a supervisor that just has a conflict or even a peer. Um, it could be stressors at home, uh, financial stressors. And, it, you know, most people that operate like, like we all do under these multiple types of stressors don't commit espionage. We don't harm ourselves or others. But some people, you know, as we know, uh, feel that sense of crisis and lash out in, in uh, harmful ways. Dave, how has technology influenced your work over the past decade? Or the evolution of technology is probably a better way to ask that question. Technology has made it possible for the, the highest level threat actors to attack us from many more vectors, I think. And so where we used to be concerned mainly with InfoSec, you know, the field of information security or IT security primarily, or even cybersecurity here in the last uh, maybe 15 years or so. Um, those are very well-defined fields. There were rules in place for how to do things. Um, but with the advent of technologies like, <clears throat> like data science and, and having access to big data sets from previous breaches, um, when you combine all of that together, it's easy for a threat actor to pretty much know everything they want to know about potential recruitment targets well before they ever contact the individual. Um, so we're seeing a much more mature approach to our people from the outset. There's a very, there's a very steep and short ramp of what we used to call spotting and assessing activity, because most of that happens dealing with big data from breaches advanced analytics tools, et cetera. So from a counter-espionage standpoint, I think that makes a big difference in how we educate our workforce and how we build detection protocols for risky behavior or even external threat activity targeting our people. From a cybersecurity perspective, you know, it's, I won't really need to speak much to that because I think it's fairly self-evident, uh, but technology, I mean, we're fighting legions of bots more than we're fighting people or even institutions. Um, so that is that is another thing there. And I, I, I like to also look at it from you know the blue team perspective and what we can do in this arms race against the cyber-enabled threat actors. Um, I do like the potential that a couple of um, couple of companies are using with LLMs inside of their code, inside of their tool capabilities to help those of us that come from more traditional security backgrounds as investigators and that sort of thing, use natural language to query big data sets rather than having to go back to school for coding experience. Um, this is a big deal with technology and how it's improved our game a little bit on this side of practitioners. Um, I hear from the thought leaders in this business that it's very difficult to find one person who has domain experience, both in counterintelligence and insider risk, or even just the field of risk management and software engineering and coding. So therefore, most programs need to hire people separately for those domain experiences. Well, it's very difficult sometimes for them to even communicate because the lexicons are so vastly different. The concepts are different. Um, so, so that's a challenge that I hope in the future we'll see uh, uh, come together with the use of LLMs to increase our kind of na natural language capabilities.
We'll get back to the conversation in just a moment. But first, I wanted to tell you a little bit about Ontic's Center for Connected Intelligence. In the world of safety, security, and protection, we know that gathering and sharing information is crucial. That is why we created the Ontic Center for Connected Intelligence. The center is a hub for the ongoing exchange of security strategies and best practices, insights on current and past trends, and sharing valuable information through expert discussion and analysis. It's made up of seasoned experts across a wide range of disciplines. To find blogs, podcasts, webinars, white papers, and more, check out the center by visiting ontic.co slash center. That's ontic.co slash center. Dave, uh, if you are listening to this podcast and you are that company that is looking to start an insider threat program, but you really don't know where to begin, what advice would you give them? It's important to pick the right paradigm for your company. And that's can only be possible if you really know your people, processes, and technologies. So that it, it all starts there. And once you have an understanding of your critical assets, um, then it's then you go out and look for the right paradigm. There are a few places you can look the National Insider Threat Task Force under the Office of uh, uh, National Security. Uh, ODNI is what I'm looking for. So under ODNI, you have the NCSC, which is the National Counterintelligence and Security Council. Under that, you have the National Investigative, or sorry, the National Insider Threat Task Force. They're producing some pretty good thought leadership on program fundamentals. Uh, likewise, DHS CISA has a guide that they update every year with best practices. Uh, Carnegie Mellon and their Software Engineering Institute also produces a lot of the same kind of literature. And they're the big consultancies uh, that we're familiar with out there uh, are also starting to really invest in uh, their capabilities internally to help medium to large size companies get started with their programs. So picking the right framework, uh, you know, is important, I think, to get you started. And I see a couple of approaches. Um, you know, companies will either hire a couple individuals initially with the right domain experience to do everything, or they'll hire a big consultancy to come in and do a maturity assessment, produce a roadmap, and help decision makers choose the level of investment they think is right for for their company. So those are some things I think will help uh, new programs get started. Well, when you look at a company like Ford that uh, is probably one of the more name recognizable brands in the in the world, I would imagine that your your threats come in at a fevered pace from all around the world. Uh, and as you look at that from a global perspective, Dave, uh, what do you think is on the horizon that folks in your position in the insider threat space should be looking at? When I think about the horizon, I guess I could think about it in terms of where I think the enemy threat picture is going, to use military terminology. Um, or I could think about where... I think the field is that I want to compete in. 
So defensively, I have to react to what the adversary is doing. But offensively, can I create a framework that puts all of the odds in my favor? There's not really a lot of thought that I see on that proactive um, you know, program building side of things. I, I think we need to put more focus into that. And hopefully some of the work MITRE is doing um, to build out an insider threat framework similar to MITRE attack for cyber defense will produce some of the applied research findings that'll help us, you know, get ahead of the curve. But in the meantime, you know, we have to continue to professionalize this field that we're calling insider threat or insider risk along the main core competencies. I think without those, we're not fluent enough with compliance professionals, privacy professionals, um, offices of, of general counsel, uh, global security experts, we have to be able to converse with them in terms they uh, th- that they understand and that they care about. So, apart from the the grand you know uh, macro trends affecting us, what we can do uh, as insider threat management teams is continue to professionalize, look for the right core competencies. Look for people that have really done the job and they weren't just in the room when the job happened. Uh, one of the things that we, all of us struggle with when recruiting from domains that we may not have worked in um, and we might not understand the nuances of all of the, the sub-disciplines under something as broad as, say, counterintelligence. Dave, are you aware of any dedicated college programs that, that are now offering degrees and in insider threat programs? To my knowledge, there's only one, and that is at the University of Maryland, Arliss. Um, This is brand new, so this might be the first time all of you are hearing about it. Uh, They recently worked with the Department of Defense to create a global counter-insider threat practitioner credentialing program. That was piloted last month and launches to the public mid-October. And along with that, they're creating a graduate certificate in insider risk management, and they're building out a brand new graduate program. And that's at the University of Maryland? It is. So that's pretty exciting for those of us that have had to kind of cobble together education from multiple disciplines. Yeah, it's fascinating to me just having watched the evolution of physical security, the creation of protective intelligence analysts, the creation of insider threats now. Insider, insider threat risk teams and how that's developing going forward. So I would imagine that we'll see a proliferation of these kinds of colleges down the road, wouldn't you? I hope so. I think we need competition to, to, you know, to help us improve our ideas and approaches. Um, you know, we're seeing some smaller post-secondary institutions pop up privately owned that are kind of going after defense contracts. Um, but seeing a University of Maryland, particularly their Arliss, go after something like this is really exciting. It's it's definitely a step in the right direction. For sure. For sure. Dave, I don't want to put you on the spot, but uh, there's going to be a lot of folks that will listen to this that are going to be really intrigued and they're going to say, I really, really want to learn more about getting into this space is there a specific book that you would recommend or any kind of advice for someone to look at if they were thinking about a career in this space? 
there are some thought leaders in industry that have written books, um, like um, the CEO of Guricle wrote a book called Borderless Behavior Analytics. And that's by the CEO of Guricle. And also uh, Joe Payne with Code42 recently published Inside Jobs. So those are some individuals that have some real credibility in the marketplace and have put their thoughts to paper. Well, that's wonderful. I appreciate that. Having been fortunate enough to cobble together a few books on my own, I know that we have uh, a lot of folks that are always interested into delving more into these topics and so forth. And uh, so that advice coming from a subject matter expert like you would be um, greatly appreciated. So thank you for sharing those uh, for our listening audience. Dave, is there anything that you would like to say that I haven't asked you? Well, you know, I would encourage those of you that are interested in the field of insider threat to reach out to those of us you see, um, you know, that you work with every day and, and ask questions. I think this is not a very well understood field. And, you know, the more you can learn about the nuances of it and the various sub-disciplines, um, the, the, better, the better chance you're going to have of making those good decisions for what you want to do in your life. Um, there's not a lot of published literature out there about this field because really it's a field that is comprised of multiple disciplines. Um, you know, when I think about how I want to learn about this field, it's really not through a catch-all, uh, like a, a fundamentals type book or course. I want to get um, uh, Bazell's Extreme Privacy or open source intelligence techniques, you know, the Bible of doing open source. Um, I want to learn investigative fundamentals from O'Hara and O'Hara uh, and, and some of these greats in, in the business who have been thought leaders for many years. Uh, these fundamentals don't change. The more advanced side, that's where we need people that have been through SANS and they have their GX certifications, you know, easily the, the the global uh, front runner for for this type of security, uh, and if you can't go, if you can't for whatever reason get to SANS, you know, go ahead and, and get those entry level certifications done and credentials. Particularly if you're coming out of uh, out of government, um, the easiest way to translate all that government education and experience is is with uh, with credentials. So talking to those of us in these programs, you can figure out which are the credentials we need to start with. Um, what are some books we can use to help us understand all of the subfields of security intelligence, um, risk management, uh, counterintelligence, et cetera. And you'll get a different answer from every person. So talk to lots of people. Yeah, well said. Well, thank you so much, Dave, for being on the OnTick Protective Intelligence Podcast. Of course. Thanks for having me. This episode was brought to you by the Ontic Center for Connected Intelligence. Learn more at ontic.co slash center. Again, that's ontic.co slash center. It was produced by AJ McKeon. Our music is a track called Monteverdi Ride and was written by Brian Bristow and performed by Smoke and Novus. Check them out on Spotify. Please remember to rate and review our podcast on iTunes 
and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you have questions, we'd love to hear them. You can reach us at podcasts at ontic.co or visit ontic.co slash center for more information. Thanks for listening.